chapter five of the problem club this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the problem club by barry payne chapter five the handkerchief problem at the forty-seventh meeting of the problem club the chair was taken by the youngest member the hon james feldane that weary young gentleman having provided himself with a double portion of green chartreuse for the purpose as he said of supporting the dignity of the position opened his adjudication a little informally let's get started he said the first job is to read out the particular teaser with which the wily leonard has been worrying you poor old things during the past month here goes the terms of the handkerchief problem were then read out they were as follows it is required to steal as many handkerchiefs as possible from a member or members of the problem club violence may not be used and thefts detected in the act will not score restitution will be made of the stolen handkerchiefs within twenty-four hours of the adjudication but felonious intent is to be presumed in every case i wish i could have been a competitor this time the chairman continued instead of being stuck up here to give the momentous decision i should have had some sport and handkerchief sneaking falls nicely within my line of intellect i might have scooped the prize but as i'm debarred from scoring off you i've taken jolly good care that none of you should score off me for the past month every handkerchief i've used has been attached to the interior of the pocket by a steel chain and swivel and those not in use have been locked away in a safe my valet thinks i've gone off my head of course but then he'd have been bound to have thought that sooner or later anyhow the great point is that not one of you low pickpockets has been able to get a handkerchief out of me we'll now pursue the inquiry heseltine are you guilty or not guilty guilty my lord said young heseltine cheerfully i may not be winner but i think it would be safe to back me for a place i struck early at our last meeting as soon as this problem was announced i slipped stealthily and unobserved from the room i had rightly concluded that there would be no attendant in the cloak-room at that hour if there had been i should have sent him away to get me a box of matches from the overcoats of members i secured a nice little haul of nine handkerchiefs one of them a silk bandana the property of major biles was big enough for two and ought to count as two might count two on a division as they say at the elections said the chairman but in the undivided state it counts one anything further to say that was my only coup the only thing to add is that one of the nine belonged to a gentleman who did not start keeping them in the safe quite soon enough all right said jimmy speaking entirely sotto voce and ex officio i'll be even with you for that one of these days meanwhile mr matthews it will be your painful duty as secretary to give that thief a score of nine the chairman then called upon mr quillian k c whose story was connected with the story of mr pusely smythe in both cases it was a story of failure both men had hit on precisely the same idea quillian called on pusely smythe at a time when he knew he would be out but would be expected back shortly 
he as he anticipated was recognized by the servant and asked if he would wait during the period of waiting quillian made a swift and silent excursion to pusely smythe's bedroom with a view to abstracting his available store of handkerchiefs but the chairman was not the only member who had taken the precaution of keeping his handkerchiefs in an unlikely place not one solitary handkerchief could quillian find and while he was thus engaged pusely smythe had been calling on quillian with similar intentions similar practice and a similar result you're both too clever to live observed the chairman but you've cancelled one another for once mr harding pope as a politician you should be familiar with the paths of dishonesty how did you get on the member of parliament gave a somewhat sickly smile i fear he said that i have not competed i represent a dissenting constituency which is careful almost to the point of being inquisitorial as to my character and private life had i competed it is easily possible that i might have been arrested i could have explained but all explanations come too late it would have done me great injury in the circumstances i have decided to resign my membership of this club and my resignation will be in the chairman's hands at the next meeting i have enjoyed these meetings immensely but i have been and am likely to be too often debarred from taking an active part in the competition as a member should the delightful but unscrupulous leonard asks too much of me should i ever find myself in a position of greater freedom and less responsibility i shall certainly crave the honour of re-election sorry said the chairman i am sure we all are but the rules of the club do require that members shall be workers and not merely onlookers if ever the political cat jumps the other way and you are thrown out of westminster into the cold cold night i make no doubt that at the first vacancy we shall welcome the lost sheep back to the nest i will now call upon major biles the major lived in the country there were unusually good golf links in the neighbourhood and he was both a good player and a good host he had used his opportunities as he explained i worked on a system i waited till my man was absolutely wrapped up in the game meanwhile locating his handkerchief carefully then at the moment when he was following the ball with the eye i put in some swift finger-work it was not always successful the doctor for instance bowled me out twice he's got eyes in the back of his head but i got six handkerchiefs that way and a seventh from a raincoat that had been left in my hall i've good reason to know that i'm not a winner but it's not bad eh a good sporting game said the chairman these thefts from the person ought really to count more than easy overcoat shots they want more dexterity the others only require brain work still i have to administer the law as leonard lays it down so far hesseltine wins but he won't win said the major mysteriously oh yes i've got good reason to know it and he proceeded to compound for himself a due measure of whisky and seltzer water dr alden who was next called upon could claim a score of only two but so far as it went it was brilliant and audacious work one of the handkerchiefs had been taken from sir charles bunford and one from mr matthews and in both cases the theft had been committed in piccadilly in broad daylight and under the eyes of the police it's clear where your real talent lies said jimmy you're wasted in harley street however time's getting on and a few bad men would like a rubber of bridge before we part will any member who claims to have beaten hesseltine's score kindly hold up a hand the rev septimus cunliffe and mr weldersley 
a-r-a both held up hands what said the chairman our padre in the sneak thief business has he no respect for his cloth leonard has a lot to answer for however we will hear you mr cunliffe leonard said that broad-minded cleric in his sonorous voice has once more revealed himself as a great moralist he has shown us that the thief a bad man must none the less have good qualities and has taught us to differentiate the good from the bad the spirit of adventure the clever planning the manual dexterity displayed by the thief are all worthy of praise it is solely to his felonious intentions that we should take exception leonard has expressly provided that for the purposes of this competition the felonious intentions are to be purely imaginary they are to be supposed consequently i could approach the problem with a clear conscience and i admit that in compiling a score of fourteen my cloth has been of assistance suspicion does not attach readily to a man in clerical attire to proceed to my story one saturday early in the month i had been down to play golf with our friend the major by the way you'll send me back my handkerchief major already in the post thanks on leaving his house i noticed at the back entrance a laundry van in charge of a sleepy-looking rustic the name and address of the laundry were proclaimed on the van in large letters my knowledge of the country showed me that in approaching the major's house that van would pass an inn called the royal george at a distance of two miles from the house and a turning to the railway station at a distance of one mile that made everything easy on the following saturday i was on that road three miles from the house my boots were dusty and i looked as tired as i could i waited till the van came along hailed it and asked the driver to give me a lift as far as the station turning he was not averse to making an extra shilling and i climbed up for the first mile i was talking to the man and making friends with him when we reached the royal george i suggested that a pint at my expense would not come amiss to him and that i would look after the horse while he was inside he was good enough to say that i was a parson after his own heart and handed me the reins the horse did not need any looking after it was not that kind of horse in the interior of the van i explored a laundry basket and annexed fourteen of the major's handkerchiefs i had left them in the cloak-room for you major when the driver came out i was holding the reins and looking pensive i stepped off at the station turning what is your decision mr chairman brainy piece of work and a fair score of fourteen my idea was that nobody would get beyond fifteen did you beat that wildersley that large but childlike artist smiled i claim a score of one hundred and forty-four gee whiz i didn't know there were so many handkerchiefs in the world which members did you get them from i got the whole lot from you in spite of the steel chain and the locked safe but i've not got as many it's an impossibility however let's have the yarn you'll find it's all right mr chairman you young men are so careless that you don't know what you've got some time ago i had to execute a deed of gift making over a rotten cotton picture of mine to a provincial gallery up to that time i didn't know the difference between a deed of gift and a hole in a wall but you learn things as you go on living when this problem was set i saw that by a deed of gift and a small investment i could do myself good my first step was to buy twelve dozen handkerchiefs top quality and deucedly expensive i had a monogram of the chairman's initials excellently designed by myself and embroidered by the shop on all those handkerchiefs this having been done i collected my parcel of lingerie and went off to my solicitor who is of the old established eighteen-carat type 
i told him what i wanted and the shock nearly killed him when he got better i explained that it was a joke but that it was essential in order to get the laugh that the deed of gift making over the handkerchiefs should be all correct water-tight and copper-bottomed he does not understand jokes and will believe anything about them so he engineered me a lovely deed i then addressed the parcel to the honourable james feldane and went off with it in a taxi to jimmy's place i deposited the parcel with the address downwards on a chair in the hall and put my overcoat and hat on the top of it i then went in and had a few words with jimmy about a bridge problem i had now made the handkerchiefs jimmy's property by deed of gift i had delivered them at his residence it only remained to steal them and that was easy it's always easier to steal a thing if the owner doesn't know he's got it besides as it was half-past eleven in the morning jimmy's costume consisted of a bath-gown a turkish cigarette and a bad headache which excused him from coming out into the hall with me when i left i picked up my hat and coat and a parcel containing one hundred and forty-four handkerchiefs the property of the chairman and went off he will find the parcel returned to him when he gets home to-night and i should like his decision much obliged to you wildersley it's ironical that i can make a bit as long as i'm not competing all the same the decision must be held up a moment the fact that you've provided me with more handkerchiefs than i shall ever use this side of the silent tomb might influence my judicial mind i must have a second opinion counsels will mr quillian kindly give us his views on this claim i don't usually give opinions in this off-hand way said mr quillian but on this occasion i have really no doubt the deed sir was duly executed so we are informed the goods in question were bona fide intended to become your property and have in fact become so they were delivered at your residence in the absence of felonious intent i should say that they had not been stolen but the terms of the problem state that felonious intent is to be presumed your ignorance of the whole transaction does not seem to me to affect it in your place sir i should have no hesitation in finding the claim good and i only wish i had thought of the idea myself i ought to have done thank you mr quillian then i decide that wildersley is the winner mr matthews will you please draw the usual check to mr wildersley's order this having been done and the chairman for the next meeting appointed jimmy opened the sealed envelope containing the problem that leonard the astute head waiter had set for the ensuing month jimmy read it to himself first well he said this is a new line of country this is somewhat of a sensation it's called the identity problem and runs as follows it is required to discover the identity of leonard the use of professional detectives and any communication with leonard himself on the subject of this problem are forbidden i always knew said heseltine with conviction that chap was no ordinary head-waiter and it appeared that several other members who also had forgotten to mention it before had always been of the same opinion End of chapter five